We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. We are so, so, so close. Oh, my goodness. It's been a trying season. Yes, it has put us through the ringer collectively. Um, Doesn't matter what you wanted. You didn't get what you wanted this season. So we thought it would be nice to give everybody a little something that everybody can enjoy. And that is to close out this year with a quick interview. Wish it was longer, but we didn't have a ton of time. Uh, with perhaps, perhaps the greatest Nick of all time, Walt Clyde Frazier. Um, so a bit of a bit of backstory to how we got Clyde on the Nick's Film School podcast. Uh, I was contacted by uh, one of the friendly folks over at DoorDash. Shout out to DoorDash, uh, who partnered with Clyde, as you'll hear during the interview. On a, uh, I don't know, call it a gimmick, but something where uh, they would be making some specially themed suits that Clyde would wear. He's at, he actually wore one in Orlando, and he's I think he's doing either two or three more before the end of the season, in which uh, those suits were inspired by restaurants right here in New York City, um, and so DoorDash got in, got involved with Clyde and uh, trying to promote you know, their brand and obviously playing into Clyde's uh, legendary fashion sense and, uh, and general sense of style. And uh, through all of that, a uh, couple of very lucky content creators, such as myself, uh, got the opportunity to speak to Clyde for a bit about, um, well, about a few things. We didn't get a chance to ask him about this year's Knicks because, well, quite frankly, I'm not sure that uh, Clyde wants to be talking about this year's Knicks any more than he has to. But we did get a chance to talk to him about some other things, namely his recent induction into the Hall of Fame for the second time as the Kurt Gowdy uh, media recipient for, for this year. Uh, we spoke to him about that. We spoke to him about the fact that he's joining Mike Breen in the Hall of Fame in that capacity. Uh, we spoke about his inclusion uh, also on the 
top 75 players of all time list. Uh, his long standing uh, job announcing games for the Knicks. A uh, little bit about partnership with DoorDash and some stuff about his fashion, his life in the city, what he thinks of New York, what he thinks of New York's fans. It was a really, really special thing for me to do. Um, I hope it will be just as special for you to to listen to. Uh, I want to before we get to Clyde, I want to bring Andrew in here for a second. Uh, hey, Andrew. Hey, John. I want to ask you when you think of. Clyde Frazier, what is, is there an image that pops into your head? What is the first thing that you associate with Clyde? Uh, it's impossible not to say style, right? Regardless of whether that style is good or bad in whoever's eyes, the, the suits are what stand out. Um, I don't, I mean, I'm, you joke about how you're significantly older than me, but we kind of have the same, you know, um, a uh, time span in which we've watched basketball, give or take like four yeah. or five years. So we don't have a basketball memory of Clyde. No, um, he's just, you know, he's, I mean, there's, there used, well, there is a, a Knicks blog literally dedicated to a Clydeism posting and toasting. And um, I think the broadcaster will always stick out to me more, which is why I'm always so fascinated by, like the Harvey Ayrton book and the, the Rappaport 30 for 30 about that era in Knicks history. Um, and look, you're someone who's been counting down the greatest Knicks of all time on your newsletter. I have been. I have I been. I think you're at number nine. Last one you posted was Richie Guerin. Uh, no, it's so, man. Well, you again, you've been busy with your mind. Very busy. Yes. So, um, no, actually, so by the time people will, will hear this, uh, I'm fairly certain uh, we're going to get past number six. Uh, number, six is, okay. number, number six is Bill Bradley. Number seven was um, was Earl Monroe. And uh, number eight was Bernard King. So mm. pick some heavy hitters off. We obviously haven't gotten to Clyde yet. I actually have not yet made up my mind as far as the top three. Um, and I'll say this. I know. Well, I, I kind of have made up my mind as to who's going to be number three, but it. Cause like the notion of putting Clyde as the third greatest stick, that's not going to happen, you know? And then the notion of putting Patrick Ewing as the third greatest Nick also doesn't quite sit right with me. So I guess I kind of have my mind made up as to who number three is going to be. Yeah. I, I think, but I know the three now. Okay. Yeah. I think the yeah, three I mean, is the, obvious also, but I yeah, know those the three. Are, yeah. Those are the only three, but like yeah, putting, putting whether or not he is the greatest Nick of all time aside for a second, my, I think my, so for, for one, we've never, maybe you could remember, I can't remember a time where I watched the Nick game and Clyde wasn't announcing. So mm. like, think about that for a second. He is, you know, he, he is as much as Mike Breen, the voice of the New York Knicks. Um, but oddly enough, my first memory of him was I was at a, uh, my goodness, how old was I? I? Maybe I was in seventh grade, eighth grade. And I, we had to go to a, a function for my school at the time, my, my elementary school, and they were having a silent auction. Um, and there was a signed Walt Clyde Frazier basketball. And like, I was a, a burgeoning Knicks fan. I really did not know a ton about the history of the Knicks, but I knew the name Walt Clyde Frazier. And I'm, I told my, I'm like, you know, I was like, I have to have this. And so my, my parent, actually my mom and dad were both there for some reason. I don't remember why. And they were, they had long been separated. So I think in an effort to compete for my love, my dad 
bit up and <laughs> and got the ball for me, which I still have. To, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. It sits atop my bookshelf. It's still my it's my most prized piece of memorabilia. Um, yeah, he just he's Clyde. Um, and I was thinking about it as I was actually conducting the interview with him. How like who else in NBA history has the obviously the playing career, the broadcasting career, and then on top of that is I, I mean, how many more people are are or, or how many people in American history are as much of like fashion icons mm. as Clyde? Like, it's not a long, I'm not saying he's like number one or number two or anything, but it's not a long list before you get to him. Right. So the fashion is what makes it so unique to Clyde. Um, I thought you were going a different rate. Where different were you thinking direction. I was going? Well, I thought you were going down the road of like, Curating like popularity, like who doesn't oh, love Walt by sure. Frazier? And I think the no only, one dislikes him. The only comp is, and look, we may be be jaded as not jaded, but like we have a certain perspective as Knicks fans, where we've always loved Clyde and we think everybody loves Clyde, but out other markets might. I know there was like a jazz beat reporter that said, yes. like, I'm stuck listening to Walt Clyde Frazier and Nick's Twitter responded appropriately. But like the only other person I could compare him to, and it de- it really does depend on how you view Magic's broadcasting career. But Magic Johnson is the only person I could think of as far as like unanimous love and praise. The Hall of Fame career, obviously a different tier than what Clyde was. But, and then, you know, take it or leave it on the broadcasting career. But that's the thing is like, okay, so Magic has done a little broadcasting. I don't think he's been a particularly good broadcaster. He had on late night show. It didn't mm-hmm. work. He tried to run the Lakers. It didn't work. He tried to coach the Lakers. It didn't work. And you could go through so many great retired players, literally just pick any great retired players. And so few of them had a post playing career that li- I mean, what I get actually the one that I would say it, it, he's being he's being um Immortalized. I don't know if that's the right word for how they're they're playing him off, but Jerry West, uh, you know, because mm. like he, you know, he had his run as coach, which was not terribly successful as the as uh, winning time is getting into, but then he had a very successful run as executive. I would say probably Jerry West, when you consider the playing career and the and the overall accomplishment afterwards, like he's certainly up there. Um, you could throw in Larry Bird too, I guess, for all those years mm. with the with the Pacers. But yeah, but like, I. I don't think anybody associates Larry Bird with anything public. You know, he's very quiet. He doesn't have like a broadcasting career that we can point to and say, oh, I enjoyed Larry Bird's analysis on this, you know. But like even Jerry West, like Jerry West never. I mean, maybe other people feel differently. I mean, he is the logo for Christ's sake, but Jerry West never transcended basketball. You know, Larry Bird, I don't think transcended basketball. Maybe Kareem did because he got into acting. And obviously he's been a very big figure in politics and then for for the betterment of all of us having his voice be known, you know, will Chamberlain a little bit, a little bit. Right. Um, I tried. I think Larry Bird transcended basketball. I am. But in, in the specific, okay. Certain players, yes. Transcend (laughs) basketball. But when you think of Larry Bird, you think of basketball and that is all you think of. And when I asked you a few minutes ago, what do you think of Clyde Clyde Frazier? The first thing, yeah, yeah. First thing that came out of your mouth is fashion. I think a lot of people, would say that, which to me is why I make the point that like he really does occupy a unique place, at least in the history of of the NBA. I see what you're saying. I also think if you ask like 
common common Jane Doe or John Doe, who's Walt Clyde Frazier. If they don't know he's like the broadcaster of the Knicks, then then the, that that's more of the the dilemma here is that I don't I don't know if Clyde actually transcends basketball. I think in the basketball circles, I, I people think he's like, oh, I think fashion when I think of Walt Clyde Frazier before so, I think of basketball. You know yeah, what I'm saying? But then, as there are random person in middle of country that may happen to look like Larry Bird's going to know who Larry Bird is. No, but so point. I think the point that you're making is that Walt Walt or Clyde was never he never reached the heights in yeah. the NBA of Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and yet two NBA championships you know was uh, never won an MVP but came close a few times all NBA for I mean he's got the accolades like I I I remember I think it was Slam back when it was Slam around with uh, the NBA at 50 mm-hmm. put out its ranking I think I think they may have ranked up until the up to the top 100 or top 75, but it was around the 50th anniversary of the league. And if I'm not mistaken, they had Clyde the 20s. Now, I'm not sure he still ranks that high because, again, that was like 20, 25 years ago. And some players have, you know, passed him. But like, I don't know, it was Clyde the, is he the 35th best player of all time? Is he the 40th best player of all time? Like, I, that's pretty good. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I'm, I'm always going to bring it back to baseball and like there's a generation of Mets fans that their first memory of Mets games are like from 2006 on. So they've grown up with Keith Hernandez and Ron Darling as like part of their lives as far as calling Mets games are concerned. Yeah. And Keith and Hernandez those guys in the Hall of Fame. No, but like that's that's where it's different. Yeah. Where like Keith Hernandez, while he probably should be, is not. Arguably. I'm old enough to remember the Tom Seaver days where him and Ralph Kiner were the guys calling. And those like Ralph Kiner, 500 over 500 home runs. Tom Seaver, one of the five best right handed pitchers ever, you know? So like I'm old enough to remember the Hall of Famer that is also the great broadcaster that you grow up with and it's why I'm lucky. I feel like we're lucky as Knicks fans to have Clyde, you know, still doing it at a level that's entertaining. He has his moments. Don't get me wrong, yeah, but, but like but if, you, if what that, you're but... saying is like, if what you're saying is like, has the hall of fame career to match the unbelievable also hall of fame career broadcasting. Yeah. And yeah, the fa- there's few that have done that like Clyde. And the fashion part, I, I think of like Tommy Heidson. Tommy Heidson's yeah. an NBA Hall of Famer. Tommy, Tommy Heidson, I, I think he just missed out on the top 75, if I'm not mistaken. But like he was, he's close. You know, he was in, if you do a top 100 list, Tommy Heidson probably in the top 100. He's very good. You know, memorable Celtic broadcaster for a lot of years. You know, not to everybody's liking, like Clyde. But like, again, it's it's not it's not an across the board to the level of Clyde. I, that's why I really, I, I, I'm not just saying that because you're about to listen to an interview with him, but I, I think he is one of a kind. Do you think like Atlanta Hawk fans know who Clyde is or like Denver Nugget fans know who Clyde is? Uh, if they don't, they're, they're not good basketball fans. I, I, I'd hope so. I just, no, sometimes I wonder if our New York bubble, like Clyde is like top three iconic names so, associated with the Knicks. And I wonder so, if outside of New York that exists, you know? So I hope you have a drink, Andy, because I will reference every preseason. Zach Lowe puts out his his um, league pass rankings. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I, I don't know how much of him consistently having the Breen-Clyde tandem be 
if not the best, one of the two or three best announcing duos in the league. I don't know how much of that I, mean, I would imagine for him. A lot of that has to do with Breen, but like Clyde's a part of that. And like mm-hmm. Zach Lowe, I would like to think of is fairly objective when it comes to stuff like there are legendary, legendary announcers all around the league that I'll uh, sit me sitting here right now. Like I know s- some of them like generally, but like, I don't know these guys by name because that's all that they are. And that's not, that's why the Denver Nuggets fan or the Atlanta Hawks fan, like, yeah, I'm pretty sure if they're a fan worth their salt, they know who Clyde Frazier is. And I think to bring it back around, the fashion part is what makes him transcend New York. Cause I think if sure. they hear Clyde Frazier, they know great, Great player. Oh, he broadcasts the Knicks. And then you say the guy with the suits like, oh, Walt Clyde Frazier. Absolutely. Yeah. And the oh. nickname, too, by the way. Yeah, Clyde. Uh, yeah. Real, last thing before we before we get to the interview. Off the top of your head, who has a better nickname in NBA history in, t- in terms of like Good great. Gr- I'm not talking about just like, well, like there have been okay. some great nicknames, but like who's better than Clyde? No, no. I'm, I'm look, my. Air Jordan is so like I mean magic is literally a nickname. I that, <laughs> see, but that's that's not a nick. I mean, I know he's his actual his name, name is not magic. It's literally a nickname that he got in high school. I understand technically, but I I when you cease to when you cease to be known as your actual name, like people uh-huh. still call Walt Walt they say Walt Clyde Frazier. Okay. But like Irvin Magic Johnson is like you asked what's the best nickname okay, ever. Fine. I'm telling Magic you, is Magic is num- Magic's number one. <laughs> is fine. Air is Air Jordan better? No, than people Clyde call Frazier? him Michael. No, because people don't call him Air Jordan. They call him Michael Jordan. Like Michael Jordan is the name, and yeah. they don't like be like Mike. I want like That's I'm true. buying Jordans. I'm not buying Air Jordans. I think, I think Clyde he's might much be more known after. for his, his government name than than Air Jordan. Clyde is I've I don't. I rarely hear them call him Walt unless they're saying Walt Clyde Frazier. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with. I think Clyde Clyde has finished his second to magic there. That's that's good. a that's a um, that's a newsletter, by the way, like rank your <laughs> or even like a rank your uh, nicknames. Yeah. Ranked all the maybe that's a Patreon where we we do a we draft of the greatest, the greatest nicknames in NBA history. You Does Melo count as a nickname? No, it's half his name. I know. Yeah. What would uh I'm trying to now you got my brain mound round round mound of rebound for Chuck. Round round mound of rebound. Chef is Curry good is good. Chef Curry is I good. think that's stupid. I nah I'm Chef Curry a, with the shot boy. That's because you don't th- listen thank to Drake you. though. Yeah. No, I <laughs> I'm not saying again, I know who Drake thank is. You for I, listen to Drake. <laughs> listen, you could belittle my age all you want. I didn't. I belittled your music taste. That's all. Listen, I think Drake is like an acquired taste. I just acquired it. That's all. Okay. Um, Dr. J. Dr. J probably. Oh, round- what are we doing? Dr. J's two. Well, Dr. Clyde. J probably rounds out the top three. But I, I will, we'll, we'll put Clyde. Again, combination of how good the player was and then how cool the nickname is. Um, honorable mention, the answer. Who's? Oh, AI. Who's? Actually, oh wow! No, no, no! I had to because well, I think of Allen Iverson. I think AI, not the answer. I was always partial to the Human Highlight film for Dominique. I always enjoyed that one. Vinsanity. Yeah. Mm. You also, half man, half man, half amazing. Half man, half amazing. Yeah, it's like when you have two, it's mm, no. Mm-hmm. Um, Black Mamba's up there. 
I, I, I knew I was waiting for you to say it. I'm sorry that I think the nickname for Kobe Bryant, although the thing is like Kobe became the thing. I think the way you grade this is if the nickname became what the, per- how you knew the person more than the person's name. Like yeah, and Kobe name. to me is always going to be Kobe. It's so. right. Right. Um, okay. I was, I was just gonna say, should we go through worst nicknames? No, we don't do that. Big, big fundamental has to be. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, it's appropriate. But I mean, Tim Duncan and lack of swagger go hand in hand. So. As Tim Duncan is the anti-Clyde. Frank. Yeah, that's where we've arrived at here. Quite okay. literally. Yeah. Um, I hope you enjoyed that little conversation. And uh, more importantly, everybody out there, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Clyde. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Joining me now uh, is a man who obviously needs no introduction. Um, he is an indelible image, and his voice is obviously an indelible sound when you think about basketball in this city and really the NBA over the last 60 years. Uh, influenced uh, everything from the way basketball looks on the court to the way it looks off the court, and obviously how it sounds. Uh, welcome, Walt Clyde Frazier. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing good. Doing good. So uh, you're here, obviously, in association with DoorDash. Um, excited to talk about that partnership in a bit. But I actually want to start with some of the more recent news involving you. And it's uh, it's a pretty good piece of news. Uh, you were recently inducted again for the second time into the NBA Hall of Fame, fame uh, as the Kurt Gowdy Media Award recipient. Uh, I'm I'm curious, you know, being the only dual honoree in in history. What does that mean to you? I'm still absorbing it. You know, it's sinking in. It's not something I, I ever strive to do. You know, like I, I I wanted to be a basketball player, and I, maybe and I never thought of Hall of Fame. I was just happy to make it when I made it to the NBA. My goal was accomplished. But now to be a broadcaster, man, I was totally shocked. I mean, I enjoy the broadcasting, but, you know, I never worked nationally, so I never thought it would happen. I've never won an award. I don't think I've ever been a color analyst of the year. (laughs) So for me, for them to say I was in the Hall of Fame, man, I I was totally shocked but honored as well, man. It's a magnificent thing for me. 
well, uh, you are the color analyst of the year every year for Knicks fans. Um, so I, you don't know this, but I covered a few games uh, a few years ago and I would see you in the media room before games, you know, doing all your prep work. And I said to myself, it, it is amazing. This person who has been doing this for so long still works so diligently to be prepared for every game. Uh, I'm curious, what does it mean for you to be so respected by a fan base that, you know, many people say is the most well-informed fan base in all of sports? Well, it's kept me humble, man. That's why I've never embarrassed you guys with drugs or alcohol, saying uh, stupid things, acting stupidly, because I know a lot of people are looking up to me. I'm a very uh, role model for a lot of kids and people, so... I, you know, I've had that pressure a long time to to set a good example for for the kids of New York City and uh, and the respect that they show me. I've been in great not to to be the guy that I am, a humble guy, you know, gregarious, going out, giving back to the community, uh, talking to the kids, encouraging them. So it's been a, it's a it's, I think it's been a perfect marriage for me, being in the greatest city in the world and scrutiny, the pressure, you know, I was a guy, I like pressure, I think I'm better on the pressure, and obviously this city will, will do that to you, so it brought out the best in me, and it continues to to be a love affair with me and the fans, I've always had that, you know, relating to the fans, you know, my most provocative moment at the Garden when I go there each night, not looking up at my jersey, hanging in the rafters, but when I come out of the employee's entrance at 810 Plaza, I always have a flashback to the latter part of my career when I wasn't uh, wasn't a star anymore. The Knicks were, were not champions, and I used to walk out. There would always be two or three kids waiting for me, <laughs> saying, Clyde, you're still the greatest. Clyde, you get him the next time. Clyde, let me carry your bag. <laughs> you know, so I, I can never forget that day. They were always there for me. You know, I haven't played in 50 years. I still do Walt Frazier basketball camps. Uh, I've done maybe seven or eight books. You know, I have a new generation of kids now that know me as a Nick announcer. So, you know, like I tell people, hey, man, who's got it better than the Clyde? You know, why, why should I complain about anything? I have nothing to complain about. And, you know, and that amazing humility, I have to think, you know, contributed to you uh, reaching the levels you did as a player. And obviously you also recently named one of the 75 greatest ever. Uh, I want to ask you about that in a bit. But just I have to ask you just mentioned, you know, the perfect marriage, another uh, you know, you might say perfect marriage has been between you and Mike Breen, who is a fellow Gaudi honoree. Um, I, I just quickly would, I'm curious what it means to join him in the Hall of Fame in that respect. That's the other reason I, I didn't think I would. How often does lightning strike in the same place? <laughs> you know, last, last year, Mike was the recipient of the Gaudi Award, and I went up to honor him, and I was so proud of him, and now... This year, I'm the recipient, man. You, you know, I, how does that happen? I never thought that would be happening, but Mike is a big reason why I'm receiving the award because when I first started working with him, he gave me more leeway to articulate than a normal guy. You know, he never had an ego problem. Actually, the first time I worked with him, he goes, Clyde, the fans want to hear what you have to say, man. Just do your thing. Just, you know, just say it. You don't have to worry about me or when, for coming when you come in. 
So he gave me that freedom, man. So I know, you know, that's one of the reasons why I'm receiving this award. We were such a dynamic team. And and you've been a dynamic team, uh, you know, for the better part of 30 years here in New York. And, and before that, you were part of uh, a different dynamic team, uh, the Knicks, for uh, the late 60s and, and the 70s. And uh, as I mentioned, you were recently honored as one of the top 75 players ever. Uh, I'm curious, when you received that honor, which you, I'm sure you had an idea was probably coming, did it cause you to stop and, and reflect back on your role in shaping the history of, of this great sport and, and think about what your place in the history of the game is? Well, to be one of the 50 greatest did, because when you look at all the players that have played, the thousands and thousands of players, and you're one of the 50 greatest of all time, that was a magnificent honor. And now, you know, I was like, well, I don't know, well, maybe I won't make the 75, <laughs> because, you know, there's so many current players that are, that are, moving in and they have to embellish some of the current players in the NBA to make it more popular so people to follow. Sure. So I wasn't sure about, you know, where I would end up on this team, but then of course I was elated to be one of the 75 greatest and just further adding to my legacy and my humbleness and, and, and knowing the blessing that I've, I've received. And, you know, it's a gift to play in New York, man. It, like when you are drafted, you don't know what's in store for you. You don't know. Like when I, I played in the NIT, right? I was, I used to dream, man, I wish the Knicks would draft me, but I never thought it would happen because they had so many backcourt guys. I never thought they would draft me because I love the vibe of New York at the garden, 18,500 people, you know, vociferous fans. They love basketball and I, uh, you know, the greatest city in the world and, and all the things that I thought would happen have happened for me. Like now we're talking 50 years later, I'm still relevant. <laughs> you know, I'm still doing things and being talked about and setting an example is is just an unbelievable ride. And I think even, you know, it's one thing to be relevant, but you're, you've transcended relevance and you are still, you know, the epitome of cool. And part of that obviously has to do with your, your playing style. It has to do with your announcing style. And it also has to do with your fashion sense, uh, which obviously you, you kind of sprung onto the scene with the, with the hats and the coats and the outfits and you carry those through to this day. Um, I'm curious when when did you and it has to do with your your partnership here with DoorDash, uh, obviously the fashion as well. When did you first realize that your outfits that you were wearing were getting as much attention as what you did on the basketball court? Well, imitation is the most flattering form of flattery, right? I started seeing guys trying to dress like me. You know, especially when I would play with the Knicks, I used to wear the mutton chops. You know, that became a style. Guys had the mutton chops and they were wearing the Clyde hat and. You know, trying to dress like me. You know, I was endorsing clothes. At the time, I had some clothes endorsements. And so, uh, yeah, I'm glad uh, DoorDash has picked up on that, man. They've they've done their homework and, and, you know, their creativity and what they're doing in the delivery service now and bringing me in. And they've created some of my suits. You know, I've been wearing suits at the game. Yes. I wore a black one the other night and, 
And, and all the players were coming over. Oh, wow, Clyde, great suit, you know. Then we even left town after the game, went to Orlando, man. Women were taking pictures of me. <laughs> they don't even know me. <laughs> they were just coming up, oh, great suit, you know. So it, it, it was very humbling. And, and that makes it worthwhile for me, the time that I put in on shopping, you know. And I try to be different. I look for things that are different. I like the unusual combinations, so... Uh, you know, I was the first guy to endorse a sneaker. You know, now we're talking about the first guy to be a dual recipient in the Hall of Fame. So I hope now my connection with DoorDash, I can, you know, have the longevity with them. I know they're a very creative company. They're starting out and the things that they're doing, we can uh, have some fun in doing it and making it easier for people to order in and, and, you know, these tumultuous times, things are not back to normal yet. So uh, there's a lot of creativity there, and I'm happy to be involved and still have a few more suits to pull off. I'm interested to see how the fans will react to the next two suits that I wear for the home game. Yeah, and I, I've gotten a little bit of a preview of those, and, and I'm excited for the fans to see them. I, I could vouch for them. They are uh, they are stunning, as is everything you wear. You know, you mentioned DoorDash. Um Restaurants and food and food culture is such a big part of the city. You've talked a lot uh, with me now about how, how great it was to play in New York City. Um, how special is it to be partnering with someone that, uh, you know, is a representative of that food culture? I mean, are you a re- I know you owned obviously a restaurant and uh, are, do you consider yourself a a connoisseur of all of the, the many flavors of uh, New York City? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I used to uh, when I was playing, I didn't need a kitchen. <laughs> I was out every night, man. I ate out somewhere every night, enjoyed it. So, uh, yeah, the local restaurants are the lifeblood, lifeblood of the city. So that's what DoorDash is really focusing on. They are under the auspices of DoorDash where you can order in and, and get the good food and, and, you know, help out. Actually, it's going to help the economy get back too, you know, people shopping out again, doing things. Uh, we can see that at the garden, man. I remember it was like a ghost town. I should tell my friends, you know, I have to go down in Penn Station and page myself, man. There's nobody <laughs> around here. <laughs> Where the fans couldn't come to the game, man. So, but then I guess that's why we have DoorDash because the people couldn't get out. They were ordering in. So, uh, you know, they continue to do so. And, uh, you know, I think it's a company with a bright future. You know, really honored and proud to be a part of it. And, and like I say, when they started focusing on my style, I go, yeah, man, this is this is what I wanted to do, right? Doing the suits and the creativity right down my line. Well, you mentioned your style again. I, I just have to finish up with one more. I mean, you've had so many iconic outfits over the years. Uh, again, like you said, dating back uh, with the fedoras and um, and the coats. Is there one outfit that stands out in your mind, either from your playing days or even something more recently? And, and is there, you know, a particular moment or memory that you have associated with it? Yeah, the one outfit was the cow suit. I love the cow, the cow suit. suit. <laughs> yeah, the first, the first time... I did the cow suit. Uh, I wouldn't wear the pants. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I said, man, I don't know about these pants. And then one day I, I was, oh, I, I wore the pants. I wore it to the game. Everybody loved it. I became the favorite uh, suit of the fans was the cow suit. So, but my reluctancy early on, I have to laugh when I think about it, man. I thought it would be too much, you know, but everybody loved it. And uh, that's my most profound memory of 
of the suits right now, the cow suit and how it evolved and, and became the uh, fan favorite. I, I mean, it, it is ironic because New York City has a lot of things, but but cows are, are not one of them. So it probably helped you stand out, right? <laughs> yeah. My favorite commercial used to be in New York, the lion. The lion came out of the subway and no one noticed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot what they were promoting. This this, this uh, commercial used to be, yeah, the big lion, you know, the big mane and everything. He comes up out of the subway. People just walk by him like it wasn't even happening. And that's my idea in New York. You can wear whatever you want, man. People have seen everything. So it's hard to get some attention, but, you know, I've been able to do that. Now with my creativity, the way my suits fit, like I said, people that don't even know me, uh, you know, when I go to the games now, they, oh man, nice suit. You know, they be coming up and yeah, nice suit. They don't, they don't really know who I am or anything. And the, the other thing I have fun with when I go to the games, I refuse to have an IG. You know, they give us a tag. I said, man, yeah. these people should know the legends of the game. So I wear my rings. You know, I always wear my two championship rings. So when I go and people go ID, I show them my rings, man. <laughs> well, you know, this is my ID right here. <laughs> even even younger fans, and I'm I'm thirty uh, I'm thirty eight years old, um, who may not have been able to see you play live. Uh, your creativity and your dedication to the things, the, the things that make this sport great, uh, and, and teamwork, you know, on the court. And then since then, your creativity off it with, again, your announcing, your fashion, everything. Uh, I just want to say on behalf of the fan base, thank you so much for, for sticking with it and for giving us so many incredible, incredible memories and, uh, really giving Nick fans everywhere and basketball fans everywhere something to be really proud of. Well, you know, in my speech, you know, I've been thinking, what am I going to say at the Hall of Fame? So when I retired from basketball, I didn't follow the game. So when I came back in 1987 with the Knicks, I was saying passing and and the fans were saying dishing. I was saying fast break and the fans were saying transition, you know, versatility, you know, uh, continuity. And, and talking to the average New York fan, this is what they're saying, man. I'm like, hey, if I'm going to do this, that's how I should sound. <laughs> so the, the, the New York fans put a lot of pressure on me when I first started out. I'm telling you, I used to go out talking to people, and this is the words they're throwing around, man. I, I go, man, I've, I've got to work at this. i got to really work on my vocabulary. So they became a catalyst for my learning the vocabulary, wanting to articulate the game the way that I do it now. Uh, nobody does it better. Um, I, I, I can't uh, express my congratulations enough uh, on uh, the all of the recent honors, being named Top 75, the Kirk Gowdy Award. No one is more deserving than you. Uh, I hope you've been able to to soak it all in and enjoy it. And, um, you know, maybe you order a, a DoorDash meal to, to celebrate, uh, you know, one of these nights. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's going to top it off. <laughs> I really won't have to leave the house now. <laughs> Clyde, thank you so much for the time. It's truly been an honor. Okay, babe. Take care. Have a good one. All right. Oh, boy. That was fun. Um, once again, the man, the myth, the legend, Clyde. Just Clyde. It's all he is. It's just Clyde. Uh, hope you enjoyed that. Um, he is, he is uh, a just amazing. Um, I, I know, you know, he's not maybe for everybody. Um, but if you're a Knicks fan, like we should cherish 
every moment that we have this guy calling games. He is absolutely, um, as we were talking about before the show, one of a kind. And uh, yeah, help him out. Go, uh, go, go, uh, you know, get some DoorDash. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, you know, Clyde will. It'll help. It'll help Clyde's. Uh, what is he? Where does he live? St. St. Croix, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, it'll help him finance his next uh, his next house in St. St. Croix, which we should all we should all aspire to that. Uh, okay. <laughs> On that note, uh, thanks again for checking out another episode of the Next Film School podcast, and we will be back with you with uh, more fun and games very soon. 